Hello and welcome to another edition of Seven Days to Rock and Stone, our Stargate Sunday. I uh, hope you enjoyed our little bonus feature, the trivia. I'm sorely disappointed in my score. However, hey, you're pretty good, man. Uh, some of them I, I was pretty proud of myself for remembering, but uh, I was kind of pissed about some of them since they were trick questions. I don't know if they were trick questions. They just weren't crafted well. That NID question was bullshit. Bullshit. I guess. <laughs> so, well, today we're doing um, Bloodlines, the episode, uh, season one, episode 12, I believe. Let's see if that's the actual episode number. Uh, yeah, that's the exact episode number of the first season. Um, the original air date for this one is uh, October 10th, 1997. Forever ago. Yeah. Um, let's check this date in history um slash dot was launched october 5th 1997 so a few days before this episode came out uh it was originally billed as a news for nerds website thought that was pretty promising and, and prominent as far as what we're doing here are you familiar with slash dot there uh rye i don't i don't know what that is um it's i mean right now it's it's currently still around as a news site for tech science and um kind of feels a little like reddit but not i guess not the socially wonderful style of reddit if you know what i'm going for here uh accessible yeah accessible version i mean it seems like it's mostly in tech science and and a lot of other stuff, but, uh, I mean, the feel, general feel, it feels like Reddit, but Reddit does a lot better at um, compacting information. This is real um, broad in general and goes yeah. real into the, into the details, whereas um, Reddit sort of glazes over things and puts up links. But eh, it seems interesting. Obviously, it's popular enough that the people who created it are keeping it going for 20 some odd years let's okay. check out some video game history uh star wars jedi knight dark forces came out around this time um okay. it led to a lot more sequels including uh, what i would consider the tremendously popular jedi knight 2 jedi outcast i remember that yeah, that was one I of the, that one that was one of the best um from way back when now okay. I would say, um, what, Jedi... What's that new one that just came out? Fallen uh, Order? Has it Fallen Order? Fallen Order. And then There's that a, one just got a sequel announced. Yeah. What was that? I'm going to look that up. Because I just saw that the other day. Mm -hmm. Jedi Fallen Order 2. And a bunch of Star Wars Survivor. That one's called Survivor. That one looks good. Uh, uh, Star yeah. Wars Eclipse looks good. Yes, more Calcestis. I've very much enjoyed uh, Fallen Order. Yes. Did you uh, Did you watch Obi Wan? Not yet. I, I keep okay. meaning okay. to, but I've been busy. I've been busy. I think. Yeah. To, yeah. I think tonight I will probably sit down and just watch it. So, yeah. Yeah. I ho I hope they bring um, uh, Cal Kestis into the like uh, cinematic universe. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um. I mean. It's not unrealistic. Let's check out some TV and movie history now that we're talking about some TV. Uh, nothing really new happened or came out around this time other than another Stargate episode. 
movies. Uh, however, had a couple of interesting ones that I recall. Uh, Boogie Nights. Do you remember Boogie Nights? Oh, yeah, yeah. Boogie mm-hmm. Nights came out around this time, uh, and so did Rocket Man. Oh, I love Rocket Man. Yeah, with Harlan Williams. Yeah, that was so much fun. Yes, yes. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, please, please go watch that one. Yeah, it's just a great, like, silly comedy. Yeah, it was classic uh, Harlan Williams. And then Harlan Williams got old and decided didn't want to do as many movies or TV. Or nobody really wanted him anymore. I mean, you know, if you can retire early, why not, right? Yeah. Harlan Williams from, what was he in, Half-Baked? Yeah, Half-Baked is one of them. He was the, uh, he was the, of the four friends who went to jail. So the whole reason, or plot point for Half-Baked. Yeah. He, uh. He was the plot device. Who goes to jail because he, uh, fed a horse something he was allergic to. No, he fed a horse, he fed a horse a bunch of munchies and the horse was diabetic. So he gave oh, him right. all these sugar yeah. snacks and stuff. It was like Captain. <laughs> it was like Lieutenant Buttercup or something. It was the name of the horse, and then the, the the rider comes up and says, "Why would you feed all that stuff to that horse? He's diabetic." And obviously, the horse is seizing up, and I don't think any horses were injured in in the making of it. But it was it was no. pretty funny. That movie's that movie's another good one. Ah, uh, yes. Although I can't stand Jim Brewer. In anything else. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, that was it for movies and TV. Let's go into the writer and the director of this episode. The uh, writer for this episode was Mark Saraceni. Saraceni? I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm, I'm really giving it my all here. Saraceni, possibly. Anyway. So this guy, this is his first and only writing credit for SG-1, so I don't have to worry about his name pronunciation for very much longer. He was also a writer on Farscape, which will become uh, pretty prominent in seasons 8, 9, and 10, because two of the Farscape actors end up jumping over to the Stargate universe in Ben Browder, and um, why can't I remember her name? It's like Aaron's (laughs) son, I think. A lot of names. There are a lot of names. There's a lot of names to remember. Farscape. Let's check it out. Where is it? Come on. Come up, you bastard. <laughs> Claudia Black. Her the name on the on, on her name in the uh, show was Aaron's son. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Uh the screenplay was actually written by Jeffrey King. So Mark Sarasani came up with story. Guy who turned it into a screenplay was Jeffrey King. Uh, we know Jeffrey King because he was the one who wrote Cold Lazarus, uh, and he'll okay. end up he'll end up being some of the people, some of the most important writing for SG One going forward. So he's got a lot of stories to come, a lot of them very good ones. So keep an eye out for Jeffrey King. Um, director was Mario Azapardi. This that is his not the first episode. No, not for his. Uh, this is the no. third of five directing credits that he'll have on SG-1. His oh. previous two were Children of the Gods and Brief Candle. Yeah, some pretty good ones, for sure. Uh, yeah, Brief Candle is definitely one of the better ones. Children of the Gods was... They hadn't quite figured themselves out by then, as we yeah. as we know. They're still determining his style. Yeah, 
yeah, it wasn't. You saw how it happened. I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast, you see how it happens. That the stories get progressively um, more and more interesting, and they start. I mean, they have that corniness, but they start pulling away from that corniness that makes it sort of, sort of difficult to watch. Yeah, they, um, it definitely pulls back from like the um, uh, almost like sitcominess of it. Yes, like uh, something that's you know something that made has like, comedy, uh, but is mostly uh, like science fiction. Yeah, they lean into what they were good at and got rid of what they were bad at pretty yeah. quickly. Uh, so I let's... also have to say that this has a a great actor that's like very prominent in uh, Tony Amendola. Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna get to him. Don't you worry. I went through right, a crap load of his uh, his stuff. You'll be pretty surprised what he's done. Uh, yeah, Tony Amendola. For those who don't know who he is, he's gone. He's been in everything. <laughs> he's been in yeah. comedy. He's been in drama, science fiction, adventure. He's been in literally every genre you can possibly. And he's one of those actors that's really good at disappearing. Like, I don't see Tony Amendola. I see whatever character we're looking at. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's definitely a good character actor. Yeah, he's very good. So let's hit the synopsis here for it. In an effort to learn more about symbiotes, SG-1's led to a planet by Teal'c that is chock full of them. This planet happens to be Chulak, his home world, and the whole world that we happen to see in Children of the Gods. Uh, after discovering that Teal'c has a son and wife, his loyalty comes into question at the SGC, and Teal'c attempts to stop the ritual of implantation of a gold symbiote in his son before it's too late. Ooh. Ooh. Ruddy mysterious. Uh, let's, let's do some of them. Planets, places, and characters. Uh, the planet is called Chulak. Chulak actually doesn't have a planet designation. Ooh, there's some because it was a, a place they knew of before. Yeah, that. that's that's a good point. Actually, a lot of a lot of fan theories are that Chulak didn't necessarily need a planet designation because it didn't get generated by the computer. It was a planet that they had known about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. It, People seem to think that there wasn't a necessity for it to have a license plate number because they just knew it as Chulak. Like, I'm sure Abydos doesn't have a um, license plate number. Uh, aliens on this planet, uh, Jaffa, and symbiotes for, or immature symbiotes for the Gua'uld. All the characters that we end up seeing are mostly Jaffa. Uh, there aren't really any humans on Chulak. Um, some prominent characters other than our main cast. Braytac. Uh, this is Teal'c's former teacher and mentor. Inspired him to believe that the Goa'uld weren't gods. So he's a pretty prominent uh, person in Teal'c's life. And believe it or not, we will get to see a lot more of Braytac throughout good. the entire series. So he will last pretty much until the end. Good, good. Um, Tony Almondola is a, a great actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's played by Tomini Amadola, as we've said, uh, who has loaned his voice to the works of World of Warcraft, 
uh, in Legion and Warlords of Draenor. He's also on Continuum. Um, he did some additional voices on the Spawn TV series. And he was in Once Upon a Time. I've never actually watched Once Upon a Time. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I enjoy uh, Once Upon a Time. But yeah, he's pr- he's been in a hundred other things that I could go down the list, but I, I don't want to get too crazy with him. We'll see him. We'll see him again. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want him, if you want to see him, check him out. I think he was in Dexter too in an episode. Yes, he's in a couple episodes. He's the one who kills um, as a clergyman. I thought he was the one that killed Dexter's um, mother. Maybe I could be mistaking him for someone else. I I could be mistaking him for another for another actor. But um, yeah, so that was that's Braytech, and we got Ryak. This is Teal'c's son who is about to go through the Primta, or the implantation of a Gould symbiote. Um, he's portrayed in this episode by Neil Dennis. I believe he goes on to keep being portrayed by Neil Dennis. For the rest of the series, he's in a few more episodes. So we yeah, actually—it's always get... nice to have uh, consistency. Yeah, we we get to see him grow up a little bit, which is nice. Um, he was in a show called Twenty Thirty CE, um, which is a show about a world that no one lives past the age of thirty. Oh. And so teenagers are looking for the cure so that they can save themselves before they turn thirty. Uh, I have to say, uh, in in other youth related media, uh, I was watching um, this movie called Spontaneous with um, my wife. Yeah, and uh, can I say that it, it you know has very like teen teen vibe, um, but it also might be one of the most terrifying movies I've seen in a while. Nice. Yeah. So the the premise of the movie is that this one class of like high school seniors uh people are spontaneously just exploding they're not like bursting in flames they're literally like like a you know like a water balloon how it bursts yeah like that what is blood they're just like exploding like like human filled pop like popping oh my god yeah and i i have to say that in itself is is terrifying, but also, where do their bones go? Where do their bones go? Maybe it's the bones that are exploding that's causing them. Maybe, but I it's it's scary. <laughs> that's like I, pretty, yeah. you know, those people who get a small fright from a balloon going off, no, no matter whether or not they know it's coming. Yeah, that's that's the kind of fear you're having, but at like a, another level here. It's it's like existential dread, I think. Yeah. That's pretty fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Spontaneous. Everyone check that one out. We'll have to we'll have to see if it's as terrifying as he says. Yes. It is. Um the next kit uh he's a, who's actually on um the Neil Neil Dennis who plays Ryak was on X Men Evolution. Okay. He did uh, the voice of Spike. I actually liked X Men Evolution. Other than X Men ninety seven, that's probably the Next best um, X Men comic or X Men um, cartoon series. You mean, you mean X Men ninety five? Oh yeah, sorry. Did I say ninety seven? Ninety seven is the new one. I I was saying ninety seven. Not yeah. Never mind. X Men ninety five. Other than that, it is uh, 
the next best one. Dreyak, Teal'c's wife, or going to be former wife. I'm not really, I don't really know how that works. Don't know if divorce is a thing on Jaffa Worlds. So She's played by Sally Richardson in this episode. Um, and then she goes on, or Dreyak goes on to be portrayed by a different actress going forward. Sally Richardson's a pretty prominent character in a lot of things. She mm-hmm. was on she Eureka. Was, um, I love Eureka. Yeah. Have she you was, watched a lot of that? I've watched some of it. Um, she was Allison Blake, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like a core character. Yeah, and she was, she played Allison Blake in that uh, series. Eureka was great because it was it was uh, played alongside Warehouse Thirteen, right? Um, it it was a uh, shared universe. It's a shared universe. Eureka ultimately leads to the creation of that um, spinoff, I guess. Yeah, spinoff mm. is the right word. Um, but yeah, they're the same universe. Uh, really great, like science fiction too. So like, if you're like knee deep in science fiction, like we do, just go get it. Go yeah, watch you, it. yeah. Eureka and Warehouse Thirteen both are very good. I believe Warehouse Thirteen is on Amazon Prime. Uh, last I checked, which probably means Eureka's on Amazon Prime. But uh, don't take my word for that one. Gargoyles. You remember Gargoyles? She was in Gargoyles. I do. I do remember Gargoyles. Yeah, she did. She did some of the voices on Gargoyles. Um, she was in a show called Stitchers. I uh, wasn't familiar with it, but it looked very interesting. She was a pretty prominent character. Um, yeah, I have not heard of that one. She played Will Smith's wife in I Am Legend. Obviously. Okay, well, that would have been like a, just a brief thing. Yeah, it would have been a brief, like, five minutes, not even, of her being on screen. Uh, Haven is also a spinoff from... Your oh, show. yeah, Haven. That was uh, That was my wife's favorite show on sci-fi when we had cable haven she would always watch that one i'd always watch warehouse 13 she'd always watch haven i all three of those shows are really good yeah um she also was in black lightning okay i've Um, seen a a couple episodes of that i am not not really familiar with that one or that Um, character in general arrowverse uh show yeah did it get canceled I know a lot of those shows have gotten canceled recently, especially Batwoman. It says 2017 to 2021, so it looks like yes. Oh, well, isn't that unfortunate? Hmm. Yeah, well, who knows what's going on with DC. Maybe we'll do an episode of uh, Comic Book Fridays to go over some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. Get into the episode a little bit. I mean, those are the prominent characters in prominent places, planets. Not a whole lot happens other than that. Yeah, um, this is very um, encapsulated. It's a it's a character story for sure. It doesn't have as much to do with the planet. It has a little bit to do with the overarching story that's going on. Contextual, but however, yeah. this is a pretty character heavy kind of story. Like you were saying, this is all about Big Papa T. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is. Um, Probably in in terms of like the type of story, that's similar to Cold Lazarus. Yeah, we get to learn a little bit of backstory for Big Papa T. Like we got to learn a lot of backstory for Jack in that episode, um, albeit a different uh, different way. But we get to learn about what what his life was like a little bit before he uh, decided to defect. Um, so we open on this episode. 
to a sort of dream sequence that Teal'c is having. Uh, he's got a bunch of priests um, standing around his son, and then all of a sudden it's him that's uh, on there, and then the priests have... What, what's really interesting here is the priests have different symbols on their head. I, I, don't, yes. know, I don't recognize those symbols or what they're for. Um, they're obviously not Apophis symbols. Maybe it was just something that they, they're like, well, maybe priests should have this symbol on their head. It doesn't even look like they're tattooed. It looks like they were drawn on with permanent marker. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's, I mean, maybe that can be explained away as it being a one-off kind of thing. They put that tattoo on when they're about to do the ritual. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe it's like a, to indicate like they're, like a station or the the type of duties that they perform could be could be we do see a priest that has a similar marking on him but it's in silver instead of uh black also yeah. looks like it was drawn on but with a silver permanent marker so <laughs> <laughs> um so these uh where where, where if where i could get a tattoo though with like that kind of ink i would definitely do it which not on my forehead but yeah, like, like the one that Teal's got on his head. <laughs> no, like, like with the silver. The silver oh color. yeah, the silver one. I would, yeah. I would do. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. After that dream sequence, that where it looks like the ritual of implantation is happening to Teal, he um, he wakes up in the OR uh, after finding out that the unsuccessful attempt to remove his gold and replace it with some sort of drug. Has failed. Um, then he he wakes up screaming Ryak, Ryak, Ryak. To which Daniel asks uh, what the word means because he doesn't recognize it. And then Big Papa T plays it off as though it means nothing. <laughs> yeah, totally nothing. Yeah, sure. absolutely one hundred percent means nothing. <laughs> so uh, fade to the briefing room. Dr. Frazier is explaining the importance of a drug that can mimic the Gould immune system. This is where we find out that, it, in fact, the Gould is the immune system for the Jaffa. So they're pretty much unable to take the Goulds out without having to get a new one. Otherwise, they they die. Kind of a dick punch right there, if, you, if it asks, because it makes them slaves, but higher up in the slave hierarchy, I guess. Yeah, like uh, an indentured servant, but still basically a slave. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, sort of free to roam around, but there's always a leash on their neck. Yeah, well, it, uh, the more trusted slaves, I guess. Yeah, I believe there was a word for those back in the uh, 1800s. I can't think of the word, but... And that wasn't yeah. that wasn't a euphemism for like some sort of uh, uh, slur, but I was just saying there there's an actual designation that they would give them, probably from the other uh, slaves themselves. Oh, um, yeah, there's uh, some horrible like term that slave masters came up with. I'm sure, and not good for these airwaves. We swear, but we're not gonna swear like that on this. Right, one. absolutely. Teal'c ends up uh, suggesting that if they do actually want a symbiote without having to take it out of him, they can go to Chulak, because apparently Chulak is rife full of them. 
And then Jack and uh, See, they're everywhere. They're just on the ground. They're hanging from the trees. Apparently, there's raining symbiotes in that section, according to him. It's raining symbiotes. But um, obviously, that's a heavily armed world for uh, of a hostile enemy to which they don't know the full extent of their power just yet. I was a, a little like surprised that there wasn't more heavy fire power. Like I suppose that they didn't. They wouldn't expect. They didn't, have the, they didn't have the budget for it. Well, yeah. Also, they definitely did not have the budget for it. Yeah, it seems it seems to be a foreign concept for the Gould with shields in front of the Stargate to protect their planets. Apparently, they don't really care about them. It would make They're more sense so than having arrogant a that they don't believe that anyone would ever do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but at least it's consistent. Yeah, it is consistent arrogance uh, within the gold hierarchy. Obviously, they can't go to this world because it is heavily armed. They probably didn't have the budget to have one of those big mega, mega uh, guns or death gliders hanging out right in front of the Stargate. Big Papa T obviously understands that uh, he, he can't get back to Ryak and he does it in such a subtle and subtly emotional way that he, everyone's obviously tipped off, and so is the audience that he's pissed about not being able to go back to Julak. And uh, then Jack chases after him. Um, skip to Big Papa T's room with Jack. Teal goes on to explain he has a son and wife on Chulak. I, you know, it it seemed like he was surprised, but it felt like. There was no real surprise behind that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Jack, I felt like more people should be surprised that he has a, a son and wife. But apparently not. It's just me. I'm surprised. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, like, yeah, they went to all that trouble to be like, oh, I don't, I don't have a husband or wife or kid or whatever. Uh, but like... To, especially for like slaves of that station, uh, to not give them that type of autonomy would ultimately backfire, I think. And like even with that, you know, we still got Big Papa T and other Jaffa uh, defecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, with I, I guess I understand why he wouldn't. Why he wouldn't tell anyone that he's got a son and wife. He obviously doesn't want everyone on Earth to think that he's, I guess, still slave to the gold with the son and wife being held hostage. Right. But, like, he's got to know the, the most likely thing to happen is for Apophis to have made an example of the two of them. I don't know why they only just burned down the house. They probably would have strung them up by their heels and left them to die. I know that's really graphic, but I'm pretty sure they would have done something in that line of thinking to make sure that no one else does what Teal just did. This is what happens to your loved ones when you disappear. He goes on to explain the Primta to Jack. Um... I feel like they they flip-flop on the subject of whether or not the Jaffa actually need a symbiote. Because it seems like if they go without that implantation ritual, 
they'll go on to live their entire lives without a symbiote. Yeah. However, it, it seems like once they are dependent on it, then that's it. However, later on, it seems that uh, there's an episode where we'll meet um, a group of rebel Jaff- Jaffa uh, Amazonian types who raid planets with uh, immature symbiotes to steal them and give them to girls that they steal from these worlds because apparently they're going through the Primta. So it feels like it's a natural puberty kind of thing for Jaffa in that episode, as opposed to this episode where they do some sort of religious ceremony and create the pocket in him and then implant the symbiote for the first time. So it's just a biological fact that they require the symbiotes. And that's, that's what I'm sticking with. Otherwise I'll just confuse myself and, that's it. So uh, Jack and Hammond have a conversation about the fact that T has a son, and Jack manages to do his real, just real good arguing. I mean, he always seems to have the right things to say to General Hammond to get him to do what he wants him to do. And then, then we get to the, the Stargate when they when he's authorized the mission. You know what's really weird about that? It's like where the hell did they get those suits from? They come back right. with them from Chulak? I don't remember. They might have come back with them from Chulak. As I don't remember that. It's been so long since we watched that episode. But, I mean, they're not even really accurate because the ones on the planet don't look anything like those. They're darker green as opposed yeah. to the lighter yellow. I'm, I'm thinking maybe, maybe they... Well, I don't think they would have made them. I don't think they would have had the time to make them. Why? I mean, out of what? <laughs> what did they make them out of? Is my, well, I mean, you is think the if they're question. like doing espionage stuff that they have some sort of, you know, costume, like fabrication department. Yeah. There was a goof there, though. Um, oh, yeah? Sam tells Daniel to take his glasses off, or he says glasses. Right. And then cut to two seconds later, and he's got his glasses back on after he takes them off. Just as they're about to go through the Stargate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we made that observation, too, when we were watching it over here. Uh, so you tell the guy who needs the glasses to take them off, uh, but they don't tell the guy who's wearing a baseball cap to take it off. He does take it off. He does take it off, yes. But uh, they don't tell him to take it off. Well, because he's Jack. No one's going to tell him to take it off. Well, it's not like it says Colonel on his uniform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so they end up uh, returning to Chulak, finding themselves face-to-face with a couple of head priests and some of the uh, Jaffa guards. Um, not a whole lot, of, not a huge contingent, in my opinion. I feel like they should have, like, you know how they have those gigantic machine guns on either side of the gate? Mm-hmm. I feel like they should have something similar to that on either side of the gate on a planet like Chulak where it's all right. Jaffa. It's like it makes the most sense, right? Yeah, it seems like it would make a lot of sense <laughs> for that to be uh, for that to be a, a thing. A future, yeah. But once again, we get back to that arrogance point that you made earlier that Jaffa and sub well sorry Gould and subsequently Jaffa are too arrogant to realize that 
there's there's other powers in the galaxy that could wipe them uh, off the face of the planet if they wanted to. <sighs> it's not like the the ghoul don't know about the Asgard. They're completely aware of them, but they choose to ignore them. Yeah, it's like a yeah. oh, you're you're beneath my power now. So yeah, we'll we'll get there. All right, we'll get there. Sorry, man. So anyway, SG-1 uh, returns to Julak, finds themselves facing two head priests, along with some of Apophis's Jaffa. Yes, that was it. Uh, they end up fooling the guards at the Stargate, when Teal sort of, like, rules through fear kind of thing. Yep. <clears throat> he is a, a great job uh, laying down the law. Yeah, and that's one of those priests with the weird silver mark on him that look a lot like the ones that we saw earlier. In the episode. Uh, so after getting all their stuff off, taking all those weird clothes off that they might need in the near future if they're going to go into town to Teal'c's home, uh, they take them off in the woods and leave them there and then put on their gear and uh, head to, to Teal'c's old home, uh, which they find out is burned down. And it's got this giant white marking on the, uh, on the edge, which we could find out that... So this is not the... This is not the first time they've used Shulvab. It's the first time we find out what it means. So, it means traitor, obviously. If you didn't get that from context. <laughs> <laughs> or from watching the episode. After after um, sitting around, sulking for a little bit, uh, Braytac ends up showing up. Uh, Braytac comes in and says, these are, these are the warriors from Earth? What a load of shit. How did they take on the entire palace garden win? This is some baloney. Uh, so to which then he fights Jack, who, uh, and this is one of the best uh, things from Jack is that he sort of like takes him down easy. Then we find out that Braytac's 133 years old, so doesn't seem well, as easy. <laughs> he uses that fact to, to trick Jack and then uh, gets him back. Yeah. Uh, just a sign. It seems to be a sign of respect, at least from Braytac's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, that's pretty much the end of the fight. Um, so, uh, uh, having been declared Shulva, um, Braytac and Teal'c uh, decide to go to the outcast camps where Dreyok and Ryak are being held. Well, not being held, but have to live because they're outcasts now. And um, uh, Braytac takes O'Neill with him, as well as Teal'c. Um, and then Captain... Carter and Daniel Jackson uh, decide to go watch the gate, or at least Jack tells them to go watch the gate. So I feel like this is another one of those things where they finally figured out how to split up and have dual storylines, finally. Yeah. So they, instead of focusing on one specific character, I mean, in this case, they are focusing on one specific character throughout the entire episode, but they managed to have two separate storylines happen at once, and pretty well. So they sort of figured that out by now, uh, especially after that Thor's Hammer episode. We're going to see, see some more of those. <clears throat> subplots. That's the word I was thinking of, subplots. Subplots, a good word, yes. Uh, Tilk. And Braytac and Jack make their way over to the Primta, to which Teal'c interrupts it to rescue his son. Uh, Dreyok, however, is kind of pissed that she's low status now that Teal'c decided he wanted to do whatever he felt like doing. And 
<clears throat> excuse me, Teal'c's son is uh, apparently suffering from Scarlet Fever, to which uh, on this planet only a ghoul symbiote can uh, can save him. Uh, meanwhile, Daniel and Sam snuck back uh, after seeing a couple of priests carrying a giant jug of um, what you call it, symbiotes, which you know, I find to be gross, but. <laughs> Uh, they've got a giant jug of of, uh, of symbiote juice with symbiotes in it, yeah. and they decide to follow him. So they go and follow him. Um, Daniel wants to kill all of the remaining larvae after having stolen one. Well, they have it in a, in a crazy, like pyramid shaped, uh, like carrying case. It's very ceremonial. Yeah, it's reminiscent of uh, like an incense kind of thing uh, an incense container but yeah. it's like designed to carry water gold symbiotes gold juice uh here's here's a fun thing too uh so this is how you treat scarlet fever uh scarlet fever is treated with antibiotics so i don't know why they wouldn't have like some basic antibiotic on them like penicillin uh, that's a pretty easy question to answer. Oh, well, you're talking about why wouldn't SG-1 have some sort of basic antibiotic in their first aid kits? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's a good that that's a good question. Never mind. Because if they're gonna get potentially trapped on these planets, having at least the most basic antibiotic with them would be a good thing to have. Uh, yes, especially since they don't know what they're gonna run into. Best to have everything and not need it. Right, so, and like a couple pills of penicillin isn't going to be, you know, weighing them down. Yeah, but you would need uh, constant doses of penicillin. At least it would take down, the, bring down the fever a little bit by giving him yeah. some antibiotics. And then you yeah. get him back and to Earth. And then You saw him. that they gave him something. Yeah, it was probably aspirin. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they may have uh, been like, what a, a illness that sounds exotic that you know, people might not know is easy to treat. Oh, Scarlet Fever. Scarlet Fever. Sounds like a, ooh, set me up the rock, Kevin. A plot device. Plot device. Plot device. All right, so, so back to Daniel wanting to... to well, so Dan, yeah, Daniel and Sam decide to get into an argument over whether or not it's immoral to kill immature symbiotes. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not immoral. They don't know it yet. But uh, Goulds are born with all of their knowledge, which means they're all psychopaths from the get-go. Okay. So uh, yeah, that definitely. If they had uh, known, if they had known that, of that responsibility. Yeah, yeah. If they had known that, Sam would have probably agreed with Daniel and said, "Yep, kill them all." Well, I mean, I guess that's that's a good question. Is it immoral still because they didn't know that? I don't know. That's a good, better question. It would be, is a slave a slave if they don't know they're a slave? Ooh. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very, very big and important questions. These are bigger questions than the time that we have available to us at the moment to answer. Absolutely. Uh, but after, uh, yeah, they decide, I don't think they decided to destroy them. I didn't write it down. Did they? Uh, they didn't decide to. As they're walking away, 
Daniel does it anyways. Aha! Yes. Now I remember. Uh, yes, I remember then, he had the staff weapon and then he shot it back at him. No, no. It, it, he used the machine gun. Oh, why am I thinking of a staff, we- staff weapon? Uh, well, I mean, there's there's lots of staff weapons in this episode. Oh, no, you're right. But, it was, um, it was yeah, a machine gun. He uses a machine gun and then Sam takes his machine gun after uh, he does it. Gives him a nice slap on the wrist. Yeah, I mean, I would be more mad because uh, that would have given away their position because all of a sudden they're going to hear this you know, loud noise that's, that's either very, that's identifiable foreign, people completely know foreign. or completely foreign. Yeah, and it's completely foreign it's loud. and it happened, very near loud. The, and it happened near the temple, so obviously right. it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty good. So Daniel obviously shoots the symbiotes to kill them all because... He's actually con- completely justified in doing so. They end up uh, under attack by a couple of Jaffa guards to which Sam throws a grenade to kill them. And then they go off to meet up with uh, with Jack, who uh, has explained that they couldn't get back to the Stargate in time. Um, and Teal had to give up his own symbiote to Ryak. Uh, now, obviously, his immune system breaking down. I, 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 I don't know. Do you know... You know the people who are who have uh, compromised immune systems who have to live in bubbles. Uh, yeah, just people with severe like immunocompromised. Yeah, it's not like yeah. it's not like they're they start dying right away, right? No, no, like you know they're not going to step out. They of the just bubble get it, then, They probably like, get infected pop. very quickly, and then whatever they are infected with ends up killing them at the pace of which it would start to kill them. Right. Right. So right. why? I mean, like, I think they might. They're definitely just more sensitive to catching things in general, but they're not gonna like all of a sudden be like, "Oh god." So you would think that Teal'c, after losing his symbiote, should be able to survive without that symbiote for, I don't know, a- at the very least six hours, without yeah, feeling I anything. I would say like a day before you feel anything. Yeah, I would say you get you get at least. At least half a day, if not a full day, before you. I mean, unless it literally executes certain bodily functions for you. The only thing that they say that it does is it's it's the immune system, and as far as I can tell, your immune system doesn't. I'm not a doctor, so I I don't really know, but doesn't feel feels like it's a bit of um, what's that word, Ryan? It's a plot device. Yes, exactly. It's a plot device. Plot device. Obviously, he's immunocompromised, but doesn't mean that he's going to die almost instantaneously. Unless the ghoul is acting as, like, let's say his liver or something like that. Um, Yeah, his liver um, is acting as, like, the filtration for for toxins toxins and stuff. He may start to feel it a lot quicker. And if he starts well, that's assuming that they had a, a medical justification for any of these things instead but, of just yeah. being like, yeah, it, it's his immune this, system. Yeah, <laughs> this being sci-fi and all. So, yeah, um, this is, I mean, this is still like early sci-fi where the, not everything had uh, an, intent, an intended justification. We're just coming up with them off the top of our heads because it's fun to think yeah. about. Right, because we're fans. That's what the thought do. experiment. Yeah, thought thought experiments with your favorite shows. Yeah. So anyway, um, obviously Teal is dying. Uh, so Jackson and Carter, having have that captured symbiote, uh, give it to Teal. 
And um, as he begins to recover, they end up heading for the Stargate. Teal'c being strong enough says goodbye to his son and wife, which I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, why not just take them? Like, even if they're complaining, just fucking take them. Yeah. <laughs> but like, obviously, what are they gonna do? Like, reactivate a, a gate? Like, get them out of the mountain and put them somewhere else secure? It's not like you don't have a few allies on other worlds that you could drop them on. Where the ghoul don't seem to show up at all anymore. Or, or even just throw them in like a an apartment and like So that's pretty much the end of the episode. Um here's some quick fun facts we've got for you. As we mentioned earlier, this episode marks first translation of the Gua'uld word Sholva into traitor. Uh and eventually gets used a lot for the rebel Jaffa later on. They end up calling them a bunch of Sholvas, even though it really doesn't make much difference at that point. This is the first appearance of Braytek, uh, Dreyak, and Ryak. Uh, some make it later on. Dreyak's not really a prominent character come come around later. I mean, I I loved seeing him. I thought he did a good job. Which one, Braytek? Yeah. Braytek, yeah. Braytek, we're going to see a lot of. Like, he shows up at least two or three times a season till the end. Sometimes more, but that's probably a good average. Sometimes okay. less. So good. we're going to see a lot of him. Tony Amendola, which we're, I'm, I'm happy about. Yeah, he's a good actor. Um, those scenes taking place on the uh, uh, around the Stargate on Chulak were actually shot at uh, the reclaimed gravel pit of the Lower Seymour Conservation Reserve. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I think they end up using that particular place a lot, because I feel like this particular Stargate looks very familiar. Well, I mean, especially in like early seasons when it's not quite as popular, still gaining its feet. Like they're not going to be expending all this budget to to go to all these places. Yeah, they're going to use as few places as possible, as few set pieces as possible. Redress them the best they can. Redress them. And, probably use uh, different angles of them, mm-hmm. and then go from there. So yeah, yeah that makes like a lot of always. sense. That makes a lot of sense. So. Uh, and then, like like we said, Sally Richardson plays Dreyak in this one, but unfortunately she will no longer play Dreyak in the future. A couple of other... Uh, well, that's because she got busy doing... Well, yeah, Eureka. she ended up doing so much more than this, so I can't blame her for not wanting to come back and reprise her role as a a pretty insignificant character. Uh, come, oh, yeah. Come I around. mean, if you've watched Eureka at all, she's great in that show, so yeah, uh, definitely a good choice on her part. Yeah. Um, rewatchability for this one. What were what were you thinking? Ooh, uh, I feel like it had some nice story beats. Uh, it's a really good character episode. So if you're in the mood for like specific character development for Big Papa T, I uh, I would say this is a must watch. Uh, but I say overall, I'd give it probably like a yeah four four point two ish. Uh, nice, easy to watch. Uh, not totally necessary to the story um, going forward, but um, a really a solid episode. Yeah, it do- doesn't. Mm, I mean, in terms of the overall story arch, it may- means real like nothing. Uh, it-, it just introduces a bunch of characters, so it's probably. You know, I was gonna do like three, four. I probably should do closer to four. It's definitely a recommended watch, especially if you want to keep up on newer characters. For for people who are watching for the first time, this is a must uh, watch. Otherwise, you'll miss pretty important story. 
for people who are rewatching, it's probably good to get used to some of the characters that it introduces, especially because you'll be like, ah, uh, especially if you've watched the the show before. This really reinvigorates the the characters that you need to know, like Bray, Braytag specifically. Yeah, I think just really solid, like um, even for like Daniel and um, Captain Carter, uh, the just nice like little little things that are updating their character, giving them like better character motivation. Um, yeah, this is I mean that particular scene with uh, Daniel choosing to destroy the the Gould is a pretty off character thing for him to do. Um, but it makes sense in the grand scheme of things. So it certainly helps understand his motivations behind what's going on there. But that's all, that's all we got for you. Um, follow us on Twitter, Facebook at seven days to RSG. What are we sponsored by today? Uh, today, we're sponsored by Milks. Milks does the body good sometimes. <laughs> Got milk? If you remember that particular advertisement, that was like my entire childhood <laughs> for some reason. Do you, in fact, have milk? Got milk. Got apples? <laughs> Are you morning. hungry for apples? Hung- hungry for apples. That was it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do enjoy a good apple. I do enjoy a good apple. All right, everybody. We wish you seven days to Rock and Stone. We'll see you next week. Rock and Stone. Later. Oh, boy. Oh, boy.